0: Hello and welcome to Episode 2 of Feasible Film. I'm Chris Martin and today on the show we'll be talking um, Fast and Furious spinoffs. We'll be talking a Memento reboot. Um, I'll be giving a quick review of uh, Turbo Kid that I watched recently. Um, And we actually have some emails today for the first time. So I thank you guys for sending them in. If you want to send uh, emails in um, for questions or comments, it's uh, feasiblefilm at gmail.com and my Twitter is at Lee Van Martin. So um, with that, I just wanted to say thanks. Uh, this has been a long time coming for me, uh, starting a podcast and video YouTube channel. So it should be really fun. And I thank you guys for watching and listening. And uh, you can go over and listen um, to it on SoundCloud, uh, soundcloud.com slash feasible film, or uh, YouTube, uh, just search feasible film on YouTube and subscribe and follow and, you know, just share with all your friends and just let them know and so we can keep the show going. Okay, so the first news story today is um, Universal and Vin Diesel have been kind of teasing a franchise for the Fast and Furious series. Um, they've announced that they have, like, script treatments or ideas for certain characters to come in and out of the franchise. Um, uh, namely like Vin Diesel and probably The Rock or Michelle Rodriguez's character. Um, but Vin Diesel has said, I quote, we've, we've written out storylines for various characters. We've been playing with it for a long time. It's a very rich property, and we're committed to treating it with a lot of class. A lot of class seems kind of a stretch for me. Um, they're just your popcorn, you know, action movie that started, you know, as a small little racing car movie to like and it's just spawned into this huge like cultural phenomenon and i think that's why it does so well i mean you have in these movies you have culture you have different cultures um taking place and so i mean there's something for everyone and you know of course they get all the advertisements in there you know and rap music and the culture and they on this last one they've kind of tried to go back to the roots um, but it's all at this point starting to feel so muddled and it's just getting so ridiculous. And if they can't tack on, you know, like they were able to get James Wan for the last movie and I thought he added some really interesting action set pieces. And um, But, I, I mean, the acting is just where it falters and the, the crazy um, explosions and action scenes are just so unrealistic now. It's just turned into something... That's completely ridiculous, and I just want to see how they're going to one-up that. Are they going to take these smaller films, like, you know, have The Rock do his, you know, side, you know, uh, like a cop drama, and then have Michelle Rodriguez trying to reinvent herself and bringing characters in and out? I don't think they have, I don't think these characters have the clout to have their own movie, you know? I mean, it seems to me if Michelle I don't I can't recall Michelle Rodriguez being like an actual uh, star as you could put on a poster. Um, the Rock, of course, but, um, and Vin Diesel, but some of these side characters that they're talking about, I don't see them being like the main attraction. I mean, you have to have somebody in there that can act better, um, who um, you know that can bring something more to the table. And it seems to me that if you want to do these spinoffs, you're going to have the main movies that keep going, and you're just trying to, Vin Diesel sounds to me like he's trying to run the show here and say, okay, well, look, we know the Fast and Furious franchise is going to be over here in the next couple movies. So, all right, so I've got three, four year, four more years or so, four or five more years of these movies. Like, there are going to be three more, I suppose. And so if they do that, then they have these spin-off ones. Well, I can be in those as well, and we can kind of build off those stories. Well, the stories aren't any, the, the the stories are not what people come to see these movies for. They come to see cars and action, and you know just a um, just a normal like popcorn movie. So I'd, I'm I'm kind of curious to see where they go with this, um, but I can't see it shaking out as well as they hope. Now the main storylines I can see, but when you start go going off into The Rock, uh, whatever I even forget his name in the movie, but. You know, whatever his name is, and, you know, tack on, you know, some action hyperbole name that goes on the side of it. And you have, like, I don't know, just a mishmash of all of these different storylines coming together. I just don't see it working. So, um, we'll see. We'll see where this goes. To me, it sounds like they're floating the ideas, but we'll just kind of see how that goes. Um, The next bit of news is... Memento is getting a remake. Now this comes to a shock from me as well because Memento is just a fantastic movie. I mean why why would you need to remake something like that? And oh I mean I can see remakes for something that's a little older that they're trying to bring to the forefront maybe you know speed it up with the technology or make it I mean, sorry make it current with the technology and bring that in or bring in some new interesting ideas or set it apart or make some side stories or use the same idea but to take the actual name and reboot it just this early just it just sounds crazy to me and i was you know i i, I read their um, it was AMBI acquired the rights to him recently um, and so this is, this is their quote, and this made me a little bit even, even more upset. So Memento is a masterpiece that leaves audiences guessing, not just throughout the film, but long after it as well, which is a testament to its daring approach. We intend to stay true to Christopher Nolan's vision and deliver a memorable movie that is every bit as edgy, iconic, award worthy as original. It's a big responsibility to deliver something that lives up to the mastery of the original, but you're extremely excited and motivated to bring this puzzle back to life and back into the minds of moviegoers. The thing is with this is the mind boggling is it never left the minds of moviegoers. It's a great movie. I mean, Titanic hasn't left the mind of moviegoers. Um, back to the Future, Terminator, none of those movie none of those movies have escaped the minds of moviegoers. And to say that you want to go in and make a memorable movie that's similar to the original, that's gonna appease fans of the original, doesn't seem like the, light, the right road to go down. I mean, I, I would say let's take this idea um, of this movie, name it something different, and have maybe like a side plot or, um, or something else that kind of ties it around. I mean, they're gonna be making the movie, they're gonna say, okay, we have the guy with short term memory loss he's going to be waking up, he's going to be, and then have some kind of loose plot that's connected to it, and where would that go? I mean, you're, you're, you're basically taking the idea, which is the backbone of the movie, and just reinserting a new actor. I mean, and of course, it's going to be ridiculed if it doesn't have some mind-blowing ending, and everyone is going to be, you know, trying to solve the puzzle as it's going, and so you have that challenge as well. So, you have a built-in audience, fans of these series that are going to go into this and try to pick it apart, as it's as it's as it's you know as it's unfolding in front of them. And I just don't see that. Uh, I just don't understand why like, that's a great way to go about remaking a movie, especially one that's so new. So we'll wait and see. Let's see who's attached. Let's see what the actors are, and you know, just kind of go from there. And the next thing, the next bit of news is. Prometheus 2 got a uh, change of name, which we talked about last week. It was called Alien Covenant, you know, the change from Prometheus. And the thing is, is now there's a slight synopsis to it. Now it says, um, uh, bound for a remote planet on the far side of the galaxy, the crew of the colony ship Covenant discovers what they think is an uncharted paradise, but is actually a dark, dangerous world whose sole inhabitant is a synthetic David, Michael Fassbender, survivor of the doomed Prometheus expedition. So, what we don't hear in all this is, where's Runa Meyers' character? If it, de- if it de- deals solely with Michael Fassbender, I mean, what has she been doing all this time? You know, I, I mean, I figured it was going to be taking the you know, just running with it, just taking the, from, like, picking up from the ending of the last movie and just running with it, her and Michael Fassbender are going, possibly finding another ship, and going, I guess, to the alien homeworld or the Traveler's homeworld, and just you know, unveiling a lot more about the um, uh, behind. I'm sorry, the plot or the, um, I guess, the uh, the nature of the Traveler, so um, his backstory or where he came from, and so that's what I was kind of expecting. And this just sounds some sounds a little bit different, but I have no doubt, you know. It'll be good. Yeah, I mean, Prometheus was amazing, in my opinion. You know, it, it captured all of the great sci-fi elements of the past, you know. I mean, it's just one of the best sci-fi films I've seen in a long time. You know, great acting, suspense, you know, you had... Um, it, it captured everything that the original did, but brought it up to speed, I guess I should say. So, I mean, there really isn't any other thing other than it's coming out October 6th, 2017. So, um, you know, basically other the new plot synopsis, you know, they just have ideas, um, trickling in here and there. So, um, the next thing, I'm sorry, the last thing is, I didn't even know about this. I, I guess it kind of slipped my mind or, uh, you know, it, I just missed it in the news. But I guess Top Gun 2 was going to be being filmed by, a. Tony Scott, he was going to do it, you know, before his untimely passing. And he, you know, had a story together, and I guess they were getting ready to go, and I guess they had Tom Cruise on board, but now um, Val Kummer has just said he's going to come back and reprise his role as Iceman. And it sounds to me like he's really excited to get back in there. And the thing uh, about the movie is it actually is kind of what we were talking about in these last, um, this, on the Fast and Furious uh, news story. Is they're taking something and they're rebooting it, but there's an idea behind it. You know, something that sounds interesting. You know, they're they're it's going to be uh, about supposedly not needing fighter pilots anymore. So they're just going to send out drones to do all of the work without any type of thought. And you know, of course, they're going to get Tom Cruise and Iceman involved. I'd imagine. You know, prove to um, prove to the prove to uh, I guess the Air Force, that they're still viable commodity. And, you know, you need people with hearts and minds in those seats to take action. And I imagine it's going to, um, you know, there'll be some kind of a plot where the drones will go out and accidentally destroy a base or something like that that they didn't intend to. And they'll have to bring in crews and Iceman. And, you know, they'll probably have their foils, but, you know, they'll, they'll come back into it and want to... Um, help each other out, I guess, and, you know, and get back into it. So, you know, just like, like Rocky or any of these other Terminator, you know, these the older guys getting back into their roles and, you know, seeing what they can do with it. And, I, I you know, I think I think it'll be pretty good, you know. You know, t- the last couple Tom Cruise movies have been great, in my opinion. And um, Val Kilmer, I'm trying to think. What's the last movie I saw him in? I can't even think of anything. He's been delegated to more of like VOD type stuff that I can think of. last one I remember is the Thaw, but I know that was a couple years ago. I'd have to look it up, but you know, he needs something like this to bring his name back and uh, into the forefront, maybe get some better roles. So, you know, all in all, it sounds like it'll be pretty cool. And then, uh, let's see, so now we'll just go ahead and move on to, I guess, the watch list. And this week I started uh, just two things. I started watching Ash versus Evil Dead, uh versus Evil Dead, and I thought it was fantastic. You know, um I didn't know that it was being done by Sam Ramy. So, you know, he's going to he's kind of producing and doing like writing a couple of the episodes and then kind of just letting almost like walking dead, you know, they're starting out with uh, was, uh Frank Darabont and he went on and you know, did the first couple um episodes and then kind of handed it off or got shooed out, I guess. But uh, yeah, it, the first episode, you know, you, you catch up with Ash. He's in like a trailer home and uh, kind of, it looks like he's like down on his luck and all he does is just live paycheck to paycheck and goes out and drinks and comes back and and, and uh, still goes to work and things like that at the valley was at the value mart. And the thing, the thing that I thought that was so surprising is like how great the special effects were. Um, S- uh, Stars really looks like they're really trying to create some better content on their network because I mean it, the special effects were just fantastic, from the CG work to the zombie makeup um, to like the gory kills that weren't too crazy. You know the the kills in there weren't too crazy. It just uh, it it had more of, like, a comedic tone to it, just like the originals, and it seems like, I just want to see, like, how the, these, like, later directors out Raimi, Sam Raimi, you know, and, you know, you had, like, the crash zooms, and, um, you had all the blood and gore and the comedy, and, you know, of course, the chainsaw, and, um, when Ash, uh, and, and I thought it was really interesting, like, how they get the Deadites back into the story, it was kind of, it's actually kind of interesting, kind of funny, and, um, I like all, the the cast seems like it's pretty good, um, like I said, the filmmaking is just fantastic, and, um, like, just the first episode, the music's great, you know, you have the chainsaw, the axe, you have all the classic weapons, and, of course, Bruce Campbell, like, you know, there's a little bit of cheese there, but it's funny, you know, I I actually laughed quite a bit, and, you know, I've heard that the show just keeps getting better and better, so, um, You know, if any of you guys are watching out there and like it, just let me know um, what you think. Because I I really, really like the episode. And uh, the first episode, I mean. And and, uh, we'll continue on, I guess, in the next coming weeks when I get caught up. We can kind of discuss that a little bit further. And um, the other thing uh, that I checked out was, um, it's kind of like a little uh, small quick review, is uh, the movie uh, Turbo Kid. And uh, it's kind of like in like an '80s throwback to um, like the old like sci-fi films of like I don't know, it's like like um, like Blade Runner, um, like Fortress. Um, you know that crawl, kind of like those little like like cheesy no-name uh, movies that were kind of trying to replicate the better films of the time. Like, you know, like Black Hole and things like that. And this, it kind of wears its heart on its sleeve, you know, as far as the, the filmmaking goes. It's a little rough here and there. It is a low-budget um, indie film. Um, not starring, I mean, anybody that I'd ever seen other than um, uh, Michael Ironside as a bad guy. But, you know, it had, it uh, It was it was charming, but it wasn't, like, like throw-it-in-your-face retro, like, what am I trying to say, like retro, just for retro's sake, like it had some really, really interesting ideas, and the music was great, Um, it basically is just about um, a kid who is uh, living on his own, and you find out like his parents died, it's like within the first 10 minutes, so it's not a spoiler, but he found out, or you find out that his parents uh, died. And um, he's just kind of living on his own, and he has like a little workbook, and he's like, and it's it's kind of like Mad Max, Mad Max esque. Like there's like a, um, you know, everything. Everybody rides around on bikes, and you know they kind of put like like fashion like hubcaps and things like that to the front, and there's chains, and so yeah, it's it's like it's kind of like Mad, like a sci-fi Mad Max with eighties like sci-fi influences, you know. So there's quite a bit, but. It doesn't. Uh, it doesn't really seem to me like it has like a big ego. You know, it's just it's funny. There's there's callbacks um, to like other films, um, to video games, things like that. So if you're into if you're into things like that, I think you'll really enjoy it. You, you know, and the thing that surprised me the most is is the, is the filmmaking. You know, the the other film I guess that's comparable this year that came out was Kung Fury, and although that had like a ridiculous plot, it went crazy with it, you know, I mean, with the uh, the Triceratops cop, and all the, you know, and they, just ridiculous, it's like, they took, like, all of these ideas, um, they just went down, alright, what's funny about the 80s, and what's funny about 80s action films, and, you know, just made fun of that, whereas Turbo Kid has, like, a main Thoroughline story, and, you know, it has some drama in there, and it's pretty effective, I thought, um, more more along the lines of like a like a an anime, you know, where it's like heavy melodrama, um, but you know the comedy was there too. Like I was saying, but the, the gore, and um, just the way that everything was put together, just it, everything worked for me, I guess. And you know the the uh, like the secondary characters um, were great, and uh, but, but basically, yeah, he finds he's he's a kid. He like he, he uh, he's in like the small wasteland. And he has, like, this little logbook that he's drawn out, like, the danger zones, like, where he shouldn't go and where he should. And he rides his bike around, and he has kind of, like, his little man cave sanctuary where he has, like, comics and tape players and records and toys and things like that. So he's kind of just stuck with whatever he has. He doesn't seem like he has any friends. And he goes into town to trade stuff that he finds out there. And as he's going along, he's he's always writing in this little book. And um, the thing he likes is this uh, Turbo Kid comic. And so... And whenever someone finds one, it's almost like um, um, uh, The Last of Us where they find the comic books throughout the way. And, you know, they're, they're, you're, they're like, showing you the story with, um, within those comics. And, you know, you're always trying to search for something in, like, a, a bad time. So it gives you kind of a release. And he's f- looking for these Turbo Kid comics. And, you know, he loves them and things like that. And he eventually finds the spaceship of Turbo Kid and I guess you find out that he was actually real and you know he gets his suit and he's able to and it actually it's just like a biker helmet um, but it actually like, he wears like this little like almost like a power glove and it, and it shoots out like he charges it and shoots out this like this energy ball and so he uses that to save his friends and so you know it's just it's just it's I guess I guess it's charming you know and I'd give it like a solid like 3.5 out of five if not a four you know I mean for being what it is, for being low budget, um, I know it got like positive reviews, and it's more for like the Midnight Madness crowd, I'd imagine, you know, um, but, you know, it has its audience, I should say, and I was pleasantly surprised, so, yeah, like I said, I'd give it like a 3.5 out of 5, um, so next is, um, you know, I I just want to thank you guys for sending in, I mean, we had some emails this week, so it's been great, um, The first one, so we'll just do those two, and then I want to do uh, the, um, in lieu of, uh, like each week I want to try to do something, a top three that's themed towards one of the movies that's coming out. So this one I thought since Hunger Games is coming out this week, the the last part I, I I believe it's Mockingbird Part 2, or Mockingjay Part 2, whatever it is, and so I figured I'd do like a top, my top three like heroines, Um, so we'll do that um, at the end of the show. Um, but for now, let's do, uh, like, two emails. Um, so we have Michael from Cleveland asks, What is your outlook on the future of the Star Wars franchise? So, okay, so that was actually a, a good question because I, I don't really... I had to actually go and look myself, and there are numerous stories out there about what's coming next, you know. not Not that the movie... Not that The Force Awakens is currently being overlooked, but we have something to look forward to, and what they want to do is they don't want to have an ending for these films. Now, they interviewed J.J. Abrams, and I I believe the very first first question that he asked when he sat down from what I read is he said, what do you want to feel? And I thought that was really interesting, you know? You know, he wants to... And, you know, it goes on to say he wants to mold this movie after the originals. You know, he wants it to have a quick pace easily to understand and you know it just sets up more of the films for later on and you know I thought that was a great idea Um, so yeah you have The Force Awakens coming out this December Um, then you have the next episode coming out May 26th and that's being done by Ryan Johnson and he's done uh, Looper and The Brothers Bloom and Brick so that one That one might be pretty interesting. So that one, it seems like they want Abrams to kind of set up the new world, probably introduce uh, numerous amounts of new characters. So we've already seen, like the robot and, um, you know, of course, all the new cast. So we'll have that. And it seems like they want Ryan Johnson to take those characters and build a huge world around them. So, I mean, it was like with uh, Looper and Brothers. I mean, those seem a little bit more sophisticated, I guess I should say, than Abrams films. And then... um, after that, so that's 2017, and then 2019, for the next episode, we have Colin Trevorrow that's going to do it, and he did um, Jurassic World. And so, that one, it seems like they're going to want to try to rein back in and make it more like a comedy. like actually, after they have the characters, and they have the universe, now let's bring it back to the characters. I mean, I'm just speculating here. So, that one's in development. Um... And Ryan Johnson's actually doing the story for that one as well. So we'll see. And then we also have Rogue One Star Wars Story, which is 2016. So we have 2015, we have 2016 ready, we have 2017 ready, and we have 2018 ready. And um, so this one is being done by Gareth Edwards who did Godzilla. Um, Now, I was a big fan of monsters. You know, it, it kind of... You know, it did feel like a, a Jurassic Park movie or a Godzilla movie in a way. So I, you know, it wasn't a surprise when they selected him to do Godzilla. But I thought the Godzilla script was just so one note and uninteresting. You know, I the 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 last couple of Godzilla films always—I mean, they always dealt with what was going on with Godzilla. I know he doesn't speak or anything like that, but you just want an overwhelming force, and you want it to focus more on Godzilla. You know, I mean, of course you can't have Godzilla going around and just, you know, wrecking town the whole entire movie, and you have to have some small, small side plots. But with Godzilla, it just seemed like Gareth Edwards had too much writing on the stories of the soldier and of um, um, Olson's character, and they didn't focus a lot on Godzilla, which was a shame because he had his big, big moment at the end, but it was too late, you know? All the build-up and all the side story was just, ridiculous, in my opinion, so, um, but anyway, he's doing Rogue One, the Star Wars story, now it's coming out, uh, this, this pretty much the same day, December 16th of next year, then, in 2018, we have Phil Lord and Christopher Miller that signed on to do the Han Solo anthology film, so, I don't, this isn't really a, not spoiler or anything, but, I just have a, an idea. like, right when they announced that the new Force Awakens movie, that was going to, it was going to involve the, some of the old characters from the original, I figured that they might probably kill one of them off. Now, I'm thinking that since Abram did, is doing this movie, you know, and they were going to do one, and especially when they announced this Han Solo movie, you know, showing what happened to him before, um, you know, his exploits as a bounty hunter or whatnot, um, or as a smuggler, I mean, th- it seems to me that they're just probably going to kill off Han Solo in The Force Awakens, I'd imagine. No, I mean, this is just speculation, but, you know, Harrison Ford's older, you know, I don't see him being in another movie. I can see Carrie Fisher and uh, Mark Hamill being in another movie, of course, C-3PO and R2, and Chewie can always be in there because they're their suits and their timeless—you can put pretty much anybody in those, and you know it'll it'll work. But um, oh, and Mark and Carrier—I believe they're significantly younger than Harrison, so um, him dying off, I, I can see happening. You know, and Abrams is no stranger to that. I remember at the beginning of uh, the Star Trek reboot, he um, had uh, um, Kirk's dad dying in the ship in *A Blaze of Glory*. So I can imagine him doing the same thing. You know, I can't. I, they won't destroy the Millennium Falcon. I wouldn't imagine, but um, possibly. And so I can see him not making it through the movie, and uh, especially if they're going to do this anthology film. So that's just speculation. We'll just see how they go with it. So, like I said, I mean, they have everything from 2015 to 2019 set up. So they're gonna they're gonna do what they said. They're gonna do a movie every single year, and it seems that. The directors and writers and stuff that they have at the moment look good. So, other than here, Thed Words will see. But it's a side story, so it's not a big deal. Um, okay, so that hope that answers your question about the future of Star Wars. But thanks for sending it in. Um, now, the next one is um, Chris from New Jersey. He says, Horror films seem to be something you enjoy quite a bit. Are there a couple you'd recommend to someone getting into them? Well, it's kind of a hard question to answer. Um, I was actually looking through off the top of my head, I was thinking maybe I would just say, like, just some of some genres, I guess, that are kind of popular now. Um, if you were getting into, I don't know, some of them are like, you know, I'm not going to, like, say Halloween or anything like that. So you should definitely, like, check out the classics, I'd imagine, first. You know, Go with like Halloween and Terminator, I mean, things like that, Alien. Um, but if you want something a little bit more, I figured you want to do, um, for found footage, Wreck, the movie Wreck, about the reporter who gets kind of thrown into a, uh, an epidemic in a, uh, uh, an apartment building and has to like fight her way out of it. But they also, um, it's one of the best ways that they actually use the camera in found footage because they're doing a news broadcast. And they're finding out. You're actually finding out what's going on in this apartment complex as it's happening. And she's still reporting. And so, you know, looking for the story, which is very, very interesting and very believable. So that one, I would say. Number two, uh, Attack the Block, which is an action comedy about a group of kids. There's some aliens that come down and they have to thwart it from, like, destroying the city. So that one's fantastic. Um, Number three, if you're looking for something a little bit more on the gory side or, like, like, home invasion... I'd say, like, um, Funny Games or Inside. Funny Games isn't really that scary, but it has, like, some themes in there, or, like some really, 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 like, t- like hard tension-building scenes. So I'd say go with that. And then uh, also Inside is, like, a home invasion film. You're a little bit squeamish, or, or you don't like your bloody horror movies, stay away from that one. But if you want to get into that, uh, I'd say check that one out. And then the last one, I guess, like, uh, or let's do like two more. Vampires, uh, Let the Right One In is great. Um, it's kind of a role reversal. You have uh, two kids that are in uh, Iceland, I believe, or New Zealand. One of the two. And um, the, there's a little girl that's a vampire, and her foster dad or a person that helps her out actually goes out, kills the victims, and brings the blood back to her. So she doesn't have to go out and feed herself. So it has like an interesting dynamic, and you know, it's an apartment complex again. And she befriends like a little kid that's like bullied at school and things like that, and becomes like her his first friend. And so it's it's like heartwarming. It's a vampire tale. You know, it's a good um, conversation on like bullying and things like that. Um, so that one is excellent. And then I guess. If, like, an older zombie movie, I'd say it's considered a classic as the Zombie 2, I guess. It's Z-O-M-B-I 2. And, you know, it's just, like, kind of like, uh, it's a, uh, like, like, Dawn of the or Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, around there. I believe it was in the late 70s, early 80s? No, late 70s, I believe. And, you know, that, that movie, for me, just had, like, some of the best effects of the time. I mean, you have, yeah, you have your, like, gory parts, too. And it's just kind of an accompaniment to, like, Dawn of the Dead or Night of Living Dead. You know, I'd say, you know, if you like, like, zombie films, I believe you'll like this one. So go with that one. And then the last part here on the docket. Oh, and thanks, thanks guys, for sending those emails in. Um, if you want to send some emails in for questions or comments, uh, like I said earlier, it's uh, feasiblefilm at gmail.com. So thanks for sending those in. And then, let's see here. The last part we're going to do is the top three heroines that are, are, you know, it's just my list, I guess. But, um, you know, knowing that, like, Mockingjay is coming out and, you know, I just figured I'd, you know, know, every other movie that's coming out uh, this week deals with, like, more... There isn't anything more centered or focused, so I figured I'd do this one. So, let's just go in reverse order. Number three, I'd say Sigourney Weaver's character, Ripley in Alien. You know, I mean, the movie focuses just solely around her, and pretty much. And you follow her, and it was one of the first movies that I can remember growing up, like where it was like a female-led role that, I mean, it was just so fantastic. You know, she wasn't... Frail, or um, she, you know, or um, like most of the times they depict these characters, like, you know, needy or frail or anything like that in the 50s and 60s. Like, this is like one of the first ones that I can remember that, you know, it's just, you know, she was there, she was like the strong person in the group, she was the one that was the most level headed, and she was there to like thwart the enemy. And I mean, going up against an alien, I mean, what could get much worse than that, and especially being in space. And, you know, the tagline really, you know, even in space in space, no one can hear you scream is, like, fitting because she has to, like, overcome all of these obstacles just to try to survive. And, you know, I mean, from fighting aliens to androids, I mean, you can't get much better than that. So, that's my number three. Number two is Lori Strode from Halloween. Same same thing, you know, a, fe- a female-led, like, action heroine. is just fantastic. Well, not action, but... Someone that kind of stands her ground and knows what she wants to do and how to survive these situations and is just, like, level-headed enough to get out of there. And, and uh, you know, when you have someone like Michael Myers like, coming and trying to kill you and he can't be killed and you're trying to save everybody at Halloween night, you're trying to save kids, you know, you're trying to save yourself and your friends. And, you know, other than being, like, one of my favorite films of all time and um, Alien as well, Definitely on my top ten list. And both, I mean, they're just kick-ass heroines. So Lori Strode's number two. The number one for me has to be uh Sarah Connor. <laughs> I mean, she has like Yeah, she doesn't want to open up to anybody, you know, so she doesn't have that quality, but I mean she's kick-ass. I mean she's trained to kill, you know. I mean, she's good with her hands, she's good with guns um, she saves the world from destruction, no one believes her, and, um, you know, it, it when, like, the acting is just, like, at another level, and, you know, what Cameron was, or I was, I was talking, like, I guess, specifically about the second one, and, uh, or, I mean, even the first one, but what they, what Cameron was able to bring to the character, you know, and just have her meld into something a little different, and, kind of knowing what's going to happen in the world and, um, like, trying to stop it. You just, it's similar, I guess it's similar to Halloween. You know, you have a force that's coming, an unstoppable force that's coming against you, and you have to use all your wherewithal to just just get by and survive. Same with Ripley and Alien, you know. She's got to use all the tools that she has to figure out what's going on and survive. So that was my top three Again, I want to, uh, that brings us to the end of the show as well. Again, if there's anything you want me to review or what, like TV, movies, anything like that, let me know in the comments. Or, um, yeah, shoot me an email, feasiblefilm at gmail.com. Um, follow me on Twitter, at Lee Van Martin. Um, and, you know, uh, oh, and we're, we're on iTunes now. So just search Feasible Film on iTunes and Stitcher, like I mentioned before. And share everything on social media. So, You know, more people watch and listen, and um, like I said, like I'd like to be like a fan-driven. So, if you want to be on the show, let me know. Like, if you uh, if you want to talk movie news uh, segment, just let me know, and we'll work something out over Skype. And uh, so, just share on social media, um, just get it out there. You know, I I want to do like um, if there's anybody out there that wants to do interviews. Um, or wants me to review any screeners or anything like that. Just let me know. Um, you know what the stories are about or who the people are involved, and in, you know I'll get back to you for sure. Um, so yeah. So thanks for listening. Um, have a great day, and until next time, stay feasible.